Hello, and welcome to episode 144 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the damned exasperating. This week, we're going to be talking about Hello, Dolly! on your Half a Millionaire podcast. I'm Mandy Kay, and when I'm not singing along to musicals, or even when I am, you can find me on Twitter at Mandy Kay. And I'm Matthew Vose. I sing along to musicals, but only the Walter Matthau parts. I'm at Matthew Vose on Twitter. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's got like three lines in the song. Right? <laughs> he well, is, I mean, he is, he's not a singer. He is not a singer. That is very true. He's the willow of this musical. <laughs> yes, very much so. Very much so. The once more with feeling drinking game where you just chug your drink every time Willow has to sing a line. <laughs> you would not be drunk by the end. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Um, hello, Dolly. Hello, Dolly. <laughs> hello, Dolly. Happy birthday, Miss Mandy Kay. Yes, this is my birthday week, isn't it? Yay. Uh, you picked this one out because we get to pick films for our birthday weeks. Is we do the rule that has come around somehow. Um, why? <laughs> I, I'm not going to ask why you never watched this because it's an old film. We all know that. But why have you picked this one? Well, I think I wanted to find something fun and different from what we've been doing. You know, we just came off of the Keanu month and then the Vampire month. Yeah, not so a vampire film. Just yeah, <laughs> definitely not a vampire film, right? So we've just we've been doing a lot of like super serious stuff. Although, okay, we can argue that, you know, half the vampire movies we did weren't actually serious, but they were darker. Yeah, lots of genre stuff know. as well. So Right. So I wanted something that was much lighter and fluffier and that I would just enjoy and that I thought I would have a lot of fun watching. And this one's been on my list for a really long time. So I thought this would be a great time to do it. Okay. Do you want to tell us what it's about and a little bit of the history? Okay. So... Matchmaker Dolly Levi travels to Yonkers to find a partner for half-a-millionaire Horace Vandergelder, convincing his niece, his niece's intended, and his two clerks to travel to New York City along the way. I actually think that's a pretty terrible synopsis, but I couldn't whittle it down, and that's what IMDb wrote, so I just kept it. (laughs) My synopsis would have been so different. People lie to make other people fall in love with them, because that's how love works. (laughs) <laughs> Barbara Streisand is also that, you know. <laughs> you know, that's not entirely inaccurate. You know, that mm. this is very much about um, love via manipulation. Yeah. Deceit. Okay. Deceit is the best way to win someone's heart. Yes. Very much so. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, Hello, Dolly! is the film adaptation of the Broadway production of the same name. Directed by Gene Kelly, it features a large cast, including Barbara Streisand, Walter Matthau, Danny Locken, and Marianne McAndrew. And I left off Michael Crawford, who apparently is a well-known <laughs> actor. So he's also in this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Michael Crawford's also there. Hey, look, one of the great musical actors of our time. Um, while production wrapped on the film in 1968, it did not open until December 1969 due to a clause in the contract that stipulated that the film could not be released until either June 1971 or it closed on Broadway, whichever came first. The show did not close on Broadway until 1970, but Fox was eager to release the film and negotiated an early release payment estimated to be between $1 and $2 million. 
While it was nominated for seven Academy Awards, winning three of them for Best Art Direction and Set Decoration, Best Music Score of a Musical Picture, and Best Sound, it had a lackluster reception and was never a commercial success. Fun fact, this was also the very first film released on home video, VHS, and Betamax in the U.S. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. So how were you able to watch Hello, Dolly! in the U.K.? Uh, It is available on Sky Cinema. Um, I already had it downloaded even when you suggested it because I realized earlier this year I had never seen a film with Barbara Streisand in it, which feels like wrong. Given the number of films she's in and how famous she is, the number of films I've watched. So I had already downloaded a few films of hers to watch and I'd Mm -hmm. I'd already seen uh, Prince of Tides and Yentl. Okay. So this was next on the list. Okay. How did you watch it? I had to rent this on Amazon. Not but it is available to rent. Okay, cool. Um, it's also on HBO. If you have HBO, you can you know stream it for free if you're already oh, nice. paying for HBO. Nice. Um, what's your experience of director Gene Kelly, Barbara Streisand, Walter Matthau, and Michael Crawford? Gene Kelly, I know who he is because I think everybody knows who Gene Kelly is, hopefully. Um, I have seen Singing in the Rain, which I love. Um, so that's really my go-to Gene Kelly experience. Right. I'm not sure I've actually seen anything else that he's done. He's the one who does everything forwards and in flats. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was looking at the list and I was just like, eh, these are all really old. <laughs> so of course, I haven't seen them. <laughs> um, this is also my first Barbara Streisand. Oh, well, okay, so this wasn't your first Barbara Streisand, but you downloaded it because mm. you hadn't seen her yet. But this is officially my first Barbara Streisand movie. Although I am super aware of who she is. She's super famous. I mean, just for her looks, she's famous. For her sound, she's famous. For everything. Yeah. Like, she's just, she is Barbara, right? <laughs> yeah. She's a, bit, a big personality and famous, because I think she's won many, many Grammys and things over the years. So, mm-hmm. just but for herself. Uh, like, I can't think of anyone to compare her to except Dolly Parton. Still, Interesting. Just as someone, you know, she is just always there, always recording, always doing stuff. See, I would put her in the same vein as, like, Bette Midler. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me. Yeah. So, mm. yeah. Um, Walter Matthau, I know him as Mr. Wilson from the Dennis the Menace movie. Okay. And from Grumpy Old Men. Okay. Have you seen The the Odd Couple? No. We've talked about okay. it because, of you know, Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau are, like, this mm. duo now. Um, and we talked about Jack Lemmon on Some Like It Hot, but... I've not actually seen those. Okay. And then Michael Crawford <laughs> apparently was famously the Phantom and the Phantom of the Opera for many, many years. Yeah. He's he <laughs> is a he, lot of other things. He is both Barnum and the Phantom. <laughs> like that that guy made a quite a career for himself. Uh, over here he's very famous for a show called Some Mothers Do Have Them, where okay. he plays a sort of I don't know how to describe it. Quasi Mr. Bean, quasi Homer Simpson type. Interesting. Who's always getting into scrapes and having accidents and getting things wrong and typical kind of 70s and 80s sitcom stuff and had a catchphrase where things would go wrong and you go, ooh, Betty, because his wife was called Betty. Uh, I was okay. talking, talking to my wife about it and she made a very good point that she never liked the show because she could never understand why Betty was with him. Oh. And yeah, it is one of those. You look back on it now, you go, yeah, this deal. Not sure it works. I was, tr- I was trying to find clips for you, but they're not great. They are Interesting. Of, of their time is probably the best way to put it. All right. Yeah. 
Interesting. Yeah. I, other than that, once I realized that Michael Crawford was the Phantom, I realized I had at least heard his name before. Right. But it was like buried, buried way deep in like just recognition. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so this certainly feels like, whether it is or not, feels like an old school romance musical. A kind of yes. Seven Brides, South Pacific, um, mm-hmm. possibly even Singing in the Rain. Something like that. Mm-hmm. What's your experience of films like that? Do you kind of like them? Are they okay for you? <laughs> well, I mean, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers is one of my all-time favorite musicals <laughs> ever. So, yes. Um, and, you know, My Fair Lady falls into mm. this, I think. Um, Singing in the Rain, for sure. I think there's a lot more in existence than I've seen. And I probably, like, we could probably do an entire month of just these um, considering I do really like the genre and I do really like, you know, just musicals, but a lot of them fell victim to the idea that they're old and so I'm not going to like them, right. which doesn't make sense because the ones I've seen, I love. Okay. Right? Like there's this mm. odd like cognitive dissonance for me where even though experience tells me I'm going to like it, my brain still says, nope, that's old. And so I just didn't watch them. I wonder if we could do a month that was... Like the film, the modern film adaptations of classic musicals. And that's only because I can think of You've Got Mail as the Mm. adaptation of, is it She Loves Me? Uh, Again, an old musical that that is that story, but then became um, You've Got Mail and various other things. I wonder if there are others like that where we could actually find the sort of better film version of them. I don't know. (laughs) I'd need to I'd need to research, Maybe. but it's it's dinged. Yeah. You know, a little light bulb has gone off over me. Okay, um, we'll add it to the list after Tony Collette Month, Australian Comedy Month, <laughs> and a few others. <laughs> yeah, we're getting very um, theme oriented around here. Cool, love it. Um, yeah, it makes it easy to pick films. Frankly, <laughs> did you enjoy Hello Dolly? Okay, I did. I actually, I really did. Okay, I found myself like. Just sitting there smiling while I was watching it. Like, I didn't have very many notes, mm. um, which usually means I didn't like something. Because either when I don't like it, I either just don't have anything to say about it or I rant about it and end up with, like, 200 things, right? And this was neither of those situations. I was just enjoying the experience. Like, the songs, even though I can't remember any of the song lyrics right now, like, the songs were catchy. I enjoyed listening to them. I loved the the dancing and the sets and the costumes. I mean, it was utterly ridiculous. And I I can totally understand why you're going to say this was not a good movie. I get it. But I enjoyed it. And I had a goofy grin on my face the whole last half of the movie. Ah, good. I mean, it's nice that it opens with the rampant patriarchal misogyny of It Takes a Woman. Great. That just sets us off for a good time. Well, yeah, okay. So we're going to have to talk about the asshole of Horace Vandergelder. And, and that's but. like, when we talk about it, it'll get in deeper. But that's why I'm a little surprised because it starts off on a little bit of a bad foot. I mean, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers starts off with Bless Your Beautiful Hide. Yeah, true. <laughs> and I, It's a thing. <laughs> So so can we talk a bit about your experience of this? Did you know any of the songs going into it? Were you prepared for any bits of it to stand out? So I had – so my mom and I have season tickets to Deepak, which is the mm. Durham Performing Arts Center. Which I'm very jealous and Hello, <laughs> It's awesome. Mm. Um, and Hello, Dolly! was one of the shows um, that 
was from last season. And so we went, but I was sick. Oh. And I, we ended up leaving an intermission because I could not sit there any longer. I had a migraine yeah. and I was enjoying it so much. Like I really, really loved it. Like it, it was funny and I enjoyed the story. I didn't know where it was going to take us. And the songs were catchy. You know, I mean, all of the things that I said about the movie, it was fun. It was wonderful to watch it on stage. Mm. But I was sick and I just I couldn't sit there any longer. And so I didn't see the last half of it. And that's part of why I wanted to do this movie, because I wanted to know what happened. Right. Like, what is going to happen with Miss Dolly Levi and Mr. Horace Vandergelder? Interesting. Uh, I didn't know any of it going into it. I didn't know any of the songs. I don't, I, uh, no, let's, let's put that right. I didn't know that the songs that I knew were were this film. So, right, exactly. So when it got to that bit, I'm like, oh, this is the thing from Wally. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so there were songs in it that were familiar sounding to me. Right. But not enough that I knew any of the lyrics or that I could have ever told you they were from Hello, Dolly. Okay. And I think that the one properly famous one, I think, is Hello, Dolly itself, which comes so late into the film. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's because um, Louis Armstrong released a recording of that, uh, okay. and it went to number one for a very long time. Right. Which he and Barbara Streisand are perfectly suited to sing together. Yes. That was a wonderful, wonderful moment. We're going to return to that, I hope. Um, <laughs> th- there's a lot in this that feels very old school to me, in the, the plotting and the concept of it, and then what they do, and the staging, and the length of some of the sequences. That dining room sequence... It goes on quite a while. It doesn't seem mm-hmm. to stop, and I'm not sure what the point of it. I, no, I can see what the point of it is, but we'll talk about that as a stage show taking in a minute. Um, but I think it is just the purity that, and this is why I keep kind of saying it's a romance musical, which I don't think you agree with me on, but the story is about couples falling in love and having a romance. Yeah, I, gu- I guess that's not really what I got out of it. So. It- it took me until the end of the movie to figure out, and honestly, I'm still not sure about this, Okay, to figure out if Dolly was in love with Horace Vandergelder or if she just wanted him for his money. I kind of think she just wanted him for his money, but then at the end, they made it seem like they were in love. So I, I'm still not sure. And I think that's why I can't put it in the romance column because that's the main relationship that's in this movie even though it doesn't actually become a relationship until the end no yeah but it, it is about okay so could could we call it a relationship movie because that those oh, are sure. the, the plots of it like the fact they go and have this dining sequence and there's all bits of shenanigans going on it's still all around the relationships mm-hmm. and i think that's what makes it feel like a, a very old-fashioned thing. However, I think it's also partially for me down to the way it's actually filmed and staged. I don't think this is filmed particularly well. And and it's the dining room sequence that is my main evidence that I will point to. The, the dining room sequence goes on quite a long time. There's waiters flipping trays around and jumping over each other and throwing champagne at each other. And it's all boisterous and exciting and lots of fun going on. But there's lots of cuts between each shot. Going so you know this is what's going on over here. This is what's going on over here. Here's another angle on it. That kind of thing, and, and it almost lessens the impact of it if it was one take of all this stuff going on from one shot, as it obviously would be in a stage show. 
you would go like, wow, this is a crescendo ensemble piece. This is something mm-hmm. quite fantastic. The sort of thing you see in the big musicals where they all, you know, everyone comes together, they're singing, there's dancing, there's throwing people around, there's lots of excitement, and, you know, people jumping on top of the stage and running around and it's, it's just nonstop huge quality moments. And because you can see that there are cuts between it and going to different shots, it loses the impact of, wow, I'm seeing something special staged here. I'm seeing moments of something special staged, but I'm not seeing the whole. Okay. Or was one continual thing. And for me, that just sort of went, uh, I, I wish we just had a fixed camera and I just saw this happening. Like a lot of the very old, the, the proper Gene Kelly musicals, I think, did, where it was just one shot of them going through a sequence. I think, so I read a quote from Barbara Streisand where Mm. she said one of the reasons that she took the movie was because it wasn't just reshooting the stage performance. Okay. And I find that odd because I feel like that's exactly what they did. Like it was, we're going to perform this Broadway play and just film it. And they didn't quite do it well. You, You think of the staging of the millinery shop and particularly the bit when the younger woman whose name i have no idea what any of their names were to be honest with you um many Min- the younger woman was many okay. many Faye. where she sees the men and starts screaming and gets ushered out that is exactly from a stage show like she is being ushered off stage at that point right yeah 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 pursued by a bear uh, um <laughs> <laughs> i think honestly the the dining room sequence of uh, the performance of the waiters would have been beautiful mm. on stage but it could have been completely taken out of this movie and you wouldn't have lost anything yeah Oh, you would have lost some time because this is a long musical. Oh, yeah. It's two and a half hours. Yeah. It it is the same length as the stage show. So you can see they mm-hmm. haven't cut anything. And I feel like at the very least, then the niece and her beau are completely unnecessary. I'm not sure what they're doing in this. Mm, yeah. I mean, it may be their her excuse to go there, but I don't think she needs an excuse to go there. Oh, no. Uh, Dolly Levi doesn't need an excuse to do anything. No, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So interestingly enough that you say they didn't cut anything, there were a few things that were changed. Oh, yeah. there, there were a few scenes that were cut, and then there were two songs that were added. Wow. So the, the opening song in the movie is different, is not the same as the opening song in the show. And they, the one in the movie was written specifically for Barbara. Um, the guy who wrote it said that she was very good at singing hugely lyrical songs with lists and doing it really fast. Mm. And that's why he wrote that song for her. Lots of pitches. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I thought it was a lot of fun, Mm. you know, watching her sing it was fun. Have you seen Fiddler? (laughs) Um, That was also one of the shows from last season at Deepak and we left at intermission because we didn't like it. Yeah. Okay. Um, that is fair. I went with my parents who loved it, but and, and we, we did all say, yeah, that was not a good production of it. Um, but it reminded me of there, there is a character who does that sort of getting everyone together, the matchmaking thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it then, so then the way they do it in, in this film is the, the whole thing of she gets paid when there's matrimony. So she wants, she believes in marriage and wants people to get married for that reason. It reminds me of Terry Pratchett's take on firefighters that it's a bad idea to pay a service based on how many fires they put out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it, it felt a little bit like that in this. She's like, oh, yeah, I get paid for weddings, so everyone must get married and divorced and married again. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> War okay. is good for business, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. 
but yes, that is a very good opening. And, and Streisand herself is very good at what she does. I, I'm, again, I'm not sure, given this feels like it should be a, a more old fashioned or, or classical style of musical than it is at times. She does not dance in the, in the way leading ladies dance in those sorts of musicals. Mm-hmm. She's good at the kind of moving on round ensemble piece where it's uh, two rows of people doing the same actions and maybe she's doing something slightly different, but she's not doing the twirling in the gown, fast paced, you know, really impressive dancing. That is not her right. talent. Right. That's why you get the, like in the parade where she ends up just standing in the middle with her arms flung up, right? Like she is the centerpiece, but she's not doing yeah. any of the action. And the, the stairway sequence in the restaurant was the same. Mm. Everyone, Very similar. Everyone's doing all the interesting stuff around her. Mm-hmm. And she's just there to look pretty. Yeah. And sing wonderfully. Yeah, she does sing. And she is, I think, in terms of the, uh, the the performance, the acting performance, certainly from a comedy sense, she's hands and feet above everyone else. Oh, yeah. Just the, what's the, the moment when Michael Crawford is in the cupboard, the wardrobe, she puts her thing in there to show there's no one in there. She says something, see, there's no one in there. He sneezes and she just goes, bless you. She doesn't blink. <laughs> right. She doesn't react. She doesn't look. She just goes, bless you, because you say bless you. You are you right. are that polite, but she knows the game is up, but doesn't react to it. And it's right, yeah. wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I thought that she, her performance was spectacular. The way that the, the speaking fast and the she had wonderful comedic timing mm-hmm. with the way that she delivered lines that her vocals absolutely killed all of these songs the problem is dolly levi is supposed to be a middle-aged widow right she should be like in her 60s barbara streisand was 27 yeah that's the only thing she was too young for this uh, uh, and what 20 years younger than walter Matthau? At least. So... I think he was 40... Yeah, I think he was 49, so there's 22 yeah. difference. So, I suspect it's his money, <laughs> if we're going back to the early conversation. Yeah. <laughs> right, but in... So, in the original play, though, Carol Channing played her, and, I mean, she played her as an older woman. It's always been an older woman. Bernadette Peters has done it in more recent years. Right. You know, and so, when it's actually played by someone who's not young, does that motivation shift? Possibly. And and certainly it would be more believable that she could fall for him. Mm-hmm. But certainly his, his uh, and I think this is where we now talk about him, his personality at the beginning, it's hard to see anyone falling for him. Yes. And it, it is okay to have at the beginning of your film, a character have that patriarchal misogyny. If part of the point of the film is he's going to realise the error of his ways or get his comeuppance or repent for thinking that way. And I, I think he does. But it's not earned. No. No, because like, he's off was, screen, yeah, for a lot of this film. Yeah, and, and so honestly, the ending is my one gripe about this movie. Okay. Like, of course they end up together because that's what you're supposed to do. But he literally went from grumpy old stingy man who doesn't want to spend money on anything to quoting her dead husband yeah. about spreading money everywhere like manure like that he was not the same character and there was no indication of that change happening because it literally was like one sentence to the next 
And and the opportunity is there, the point where he realizes he has no one and it's his own fault. Mm-hmm. The the opportunity is there for him to be like, wow, I'm alone. I need to change my ways. Right. But you don't get that. I think you called him Scrooge in your notes, and that is a really good catch. Yeah. Mm. And and Yeah, especially at the beginning, you know, when it's like you can't take time off, you have to stay here and work. Yeah. You know, all it's it's straight out of a Christmas carol. Yeah. And and the fact he even knows what colour she wants to paint the front of his house. Uh right. I'm not sure. Uh, mm. Yeah, I don't know. He just in general as a character, he was awful. You know, like yeah. God, when she comes in in that gold dress, which is spectacular, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Um. By the way, that dress weighed forty pounds and cost eight thousand dollars. Amazing. In 1969 money, um, his reaction to her is, "Do you think you have the figure for that getup?" <laughs> I'm sorry, what? She should have slapped him, but she's amazing. And she's just like, well, that's not for me to say. Mm. You know? Like, she handles him wonderfully. Yeah. Um, and so the amount of grace and confidence that she exudes as a woman is wonderful. But she should have slapped him. But but that then leads us to the other side of it that I found really problematic is all of it is based on lies. It's based on her s- uh, turning him off the woman he was going to ask to marry him. The clerks lying to the women they meet and have a delightful evening with lying all the time and eventually coming true. And they're like, oh, no, we knew you were lying. Well, I'm not sure you'd be on the date with them if you knew, but, but fine. And then even at the end, they're lying to each other. And it's finally when he seems to see the sense of his ways that they're all saying, okay, but there's no. And, and everything she did actually worked out for the best. It's like, no, she got away with it is, is what it comes across as. Yeah, it it comes across a little bit fantastical that that she can manipulate everything so perfectly to end up 20 steps later to be where she wanted it, mm. right? Like that's not possible. But at the same time, she also and and this was in the stage play too. You know, every time somebody said something like Ambrose was saying he couldn't dance and she had a business card specifically about teaching painters to dance. Nice. Right. So she had business cards for every potential situation that could come up and and it was a nice nod because it did lend a credence of believability to her machinations Mm. i think i think if they hadn't had those business cards it would have felt way more unbelievable i mean and it is obviously unbelievable it's musical and and yeah it it (laughs) is is not our world no but it is allowed to have that level of fantasy but it's just cynical and it makes me cynical about it. I, I know I am a fairly cynical person at times, but just the, you know, she sends him on a date with her friend who their friend then has to leave early so she can arrive and have the date with him. Oh, I thought that was cute. <sighs> you know, and I, I think, though, I, I see what you're saying. There is a level of cynicism there because it is all about manipulation and and not actually love. But I think the movie tries to offset that because you get the beautiful moments between Irene and Cornelius. Right. And they sing that song and, you know, just a moment, whatever it's called, hmm. something about moments, you know, it, 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 they fall in love in an instant. They have a whole life's amount of love in a moment. And, you know, they're trying to be romantic and sweet at the same time. Maybe they're trying to show both sides of the coin. Yeah. And, and at least there, there does seem to be some actual attraction. So that's maybe why they went on date because there was the actual attraction. But, uh, mm. oh, it, it worked for me. Yeah. It did. 
Yeah. Um, but here's a question for you about well, Michael Crawford. Michael Crawford's acting specifically. Okay. Did it ever feel to you like he was channeling Dick Van Dyke? Well, I mean, they're a little one in the same. To the extent when, when, when you know, we were saying, oh, that's Michael Crawford. What are we seeing him in? Was it Bedknobs and Broomsticks? Or Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Or, oh no, it was Phantom and Barnum. <laughs> okay, so. They are they okay. are basically the same sort of act that's not, yeah. Okay. So we'll see. I, I wouldn't have known that because this is my first Michael Crawford, right? right yeah. Um, but I was watching the way he moves, the way he smiles, the way he says some things, like his facial expressions. It was very much Mary Poppins. Like Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins yeah. is what I was seeing. And it was odd. <laughs> and yet, <laughs> I mean, it was that, great, but it was odd. That is his style because he's very tall. He's quite lanky. So he can do lots of the, I'm going to say legwork. I'm not sure that's the right word for it, but you know what I mean? Um, right. And, and I, I think it's important to have that character uh, 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 just returning a bit to some of the casting stuff earlier i think walter Matthau feels miscast because i mean he sings better than russell crowe but <laughs> <laughs> that's not but yeah better than russell crowe. Um, and that's harsh i didn't mind russell crowe at all but um walter Matthau does not stand out compared to the people he's up against in this film and he, he also does not dance very clearly but i can't decide whether that's intentional and and the character would always be cast as an older man who is not normally in this sort of show mm-hmm. maybe it's the sort of thing you could do a bit of stunt casting or whether it's just Walter Matthau was the big name so that's why they put him in there can you remember what sort of person it was when you saw it uh, no I don't <laughs> too much migraine actually. yeah okay <laughs> um I'm actually looking up the original casting it looks like it was David Burns so also older. Okay. But but an, a, a musical actor? Well, I'm pretty sure everybody on the Broadway show would have been a musical actor. Okay, okay. Maybe not, but... Oh, in 2017, David Hyde Pierce played it against yeah, see, Bette Midler. He, he is a musical actor. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe it is that they were going for the name rather than what they would normally cast there. Uh, and so I think it's important to have someone like Michael Crawford who can carry, uh, certainly in the, the one or two songs they have together, those moments against each other where, where where at least one of them is doing some impressive dancing stuff. Right. I feel like I read somewhere that Gene Kelly had to fight for it to be Walter Matthau. Oh, really? Oh. But I can't remember where I read it. I can see it. And you reminded me, because you mentioned it a bit earlier, there was a whole parade scene and the parade scene goes on for a year. <laughs> the parade scene does not stop. <laughs> it does not stop, no. And, uh, and it really was unnecessary, I think. Yeah. It, God, it was expensive. It cost them a lot of money to do that parade. Yeah, there were bits I was trying to work out. Were they acting against a, a, a rear projection screen or not? I think it mixes and matches occasionally. Like, particularly when they're talking. Um, I think they mm-hmm. might be, but you've just got bits of the, is it the temperance society? Mm-hmm. And of course they are, um, matronly looking stern older women. And it's just, of course. okay, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I thought it was funny. Okay. <laughs> there, there was a lot of that sort of thing that just, okay, we get it. Yeah. It definitely didn't need to be two and a half hours. I will give you that. Yeah, and, and it, it surprises me then hearing that Barbara Streisand thought there was stuff different or cut. Yeah. Mm. 
it's pretty close to the whole thing. Um, another interesting fact, especially considering how we both agree that Walter Matthau is not a singer, all of the cast members sang their own songs except for Marianna McAndrew, who played Irene. Okay. Her voice was actually dubbed by Melissa Stafford and Gilda Macon. Okay. I don't know who they are, okay. but um, her her voice was dubbed. I don't entirely know why, and I think it's odd that they dubbed hers and didn't dub Walter Matthaus. I mean, you'd tell if it was him, though, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, that is true, because his voice is very unique. Yeah. You've now got me looking through all the people who have played the different parts over the year, <laughs> over the oh. years. So, yeah, and, and like you're saying, the, the recent Broadway revival, Bette Midler, um, 2006, Tova Feldser, who um, played Rebecca's mother on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a, a, an older woman, certainly, than Barbara Streisand. Yeah, mm. absolutely. It's always been an older woman. It was very odd that they've put someone so young in this role for the movie. Mm. Fascinating. Um, do you have any favorite stuff from this? I'm assuming you do, because you liked it more than we did, but... <laughs> um I mean yeah I I just I really like the whole thing. I think my favorite scene was the Hello Dolly scene. Right. That's when I realized I was smiling and couldn't stop smiling. Okay. It was just lovely. And I think part of it was because I was invested in Dolly as a character at that moment and it was nice to finally see her go from lonely widow to someone who actually had a life and had friends and family and people who love her. Mm-hmm. That was nice. Um, I did really like that Irene knew all along that the boys were lying. Okay, yeah. I didn't expect that. I was trying to figure out what was going to happen. Um, I didn't know. And so that was a nice twist that she did and was going to pay for everything. And then, of course, she didn't have the money either, <laughs> which was fun. And and yeah, it, it does help because there's so many times where we, we watch – uh, a film of any sort where we go, I don't buy that character motivation. I don't buy that they believe that lie, that whatever. And it is, it, it is almost refreshing to have a moment of, oh, hey, they weren't duped by it. Good on them. Right. Because we weren't duped, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think those are probably the main bits that I liked the most, um, since I'm not allowed to take the whole thing. But I, d- I just, I liked it. Do, do you think Barbara Streisand was the sort of best performer in it? Oh, absolutely. Nice. She, you couldn't take your eyes off of her when she was on screen. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, and they tried to make you because, I mean, the sets and the costumes were just so extravagant. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they tried to make this like a full out musical production and they did. It was a little too much at times, I think. Right. And you're right. The filming, you know, they could have done the filming better. But it was fun. Good. And it was pretty to watch. Mm-hmm. I I think we need to find another strong Barbara Streisand performance, perhaps in a stronger film as well. And I, d- okay. I don't know whether that's Funny Girl. So I think the one before this, because this was her second film, mm-hmm. I think. Um, was it Funny Girl before this? Yes. Okay. So whether it's that, whether it's um, we do go to Yentl, because Yentl was very good, or something else. I'm trying to find her filmography. Is Yentl the one that she wrote? 
Uh, Wasn't she like like super super involved? She in, like, directed. Creation? She produced story by someone else, screenplay by her and Jack Rosenthal. Okay. So, but she she directed it as well, and she she is very good in that. I mean, is it A Star Is Born? Oh, possibly. I'd be interested in that one. I started trying to watch the new one and got bored. Okay. I was surprised I got bored. Mm. Like I didn't finish it. Interesting. Um, it should have been wonderful. Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper singing should have been great. Yeah. I was bored. Okay. <laughs> Maybe it's just the wrong time for me to try to watch it. Maybe if I tried again, I wouldn't be, but. Well, okay. If you're a Dolly Parton fan, you're listening to this and you're, you're shouting at your radio, phone, computer, iPad, <laughs> Alexa, whatever you're listening to this on. Oh, she's lit up. I shouldn't have said her name. You also just called Barbara go. Streisand Dolly Parton. Did I? You did. I'm really ill. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, her character's name is Dolly, so <laughs> it's forgivable, I guess. Oh, I'm doing so well. If you're a really big fan of Bette Midler. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Babs. <clears throat> that's, that once more from the top, lads. So if you're a really big fan of <laughs> Oh my god, her name is Barbara Streisand. Guys, if you're a really big fan of Barbara Streisand, tell us what movie to watch. That's, I think that's what Matthew's trying to say. That's exactly what you should be doing. I think the problem is, because I now have the list up of all the films she's in, I've just got a list of character names. Okay. <laughs> throwing me off my game, clearly. If you if you are a fan of Yentl, you tell me what other films she's been in. Um. <laughs> All right. I feel I feel certain there will be people who will tell us that I we should so, watch yeah. other Barbara Streisand yeah. movies. Um, I'm sorry that you didn't really love this one, but were there moments that you did really like? Uh, there, there were some moments, and and some of them are when you take them out of the film. Yes, they they work very nicely. So you're talking about some of the love sequence, particularly between Michael Crawford and the milliner. Irene? Irene Malloy. Irene Adler Malloy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she, he has a, a, a bit to her where, you know, he has been sacked and everything's going really badly. And he talks to her and he says, I've lost everything. My job, my future, everything people think is important, but I don't care because even if I have to dig ditches for the rest of my life, I shall be a ditch digger who once had a wonderful day. Aww. That's a terrific bit of writing. In, in a poetic, yeah, in a better film with perhaps better delivery, that would be one of the classic, just a girl standing in front of a boy type mm, lines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I liked them uh, in the dinner sequence as well, where he says, "Oh, you know, if I tell you the truth, can I put my arm around you?" And she says, "You can lie and put your arm around me if you want." <laughs> Something on those lines. He puts his arm around and says, "Oh, I've never touched a woman before." And she just goes, you still haven't. That's my corset. <laughs> that was a nice line. And, I laughed. And she, several times through it, has these, certainly for the time, and definitely for this sort of film, slightly naughty moments that are like... Well, yeah. Ooh. Because they, I mean, they, they set it up up front, though, that she's a, a, mil- a milliner, mm-hmm. a hat woman, and she so she must be hat naughty. Woman. She was bitten by a radioactive hat. <laughs> <laughs> But the women all think that she must do things that are naughty, and so <laughs> yeah. she just leaned into it, right? When, when the younger one is eating a banana and she's like, everyone's starting to stay, you have to finish that off. 
Like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I was a little bit surprised by that. Right yeah, good on them. Um, yeah. But we have to return to Barbara Streisand. The bit where she starts climbing the ladder behind the chap whose name I do not know. Um, and she's just behind him on the ladder. And then she eventually goes, look, I'm getting an updraft up my pants. You have to go up. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it sort of comes out of nowhere because there's this slightly proper Victorian thing going on. Right, right. But then they just force, she forces them into the room and then deals with everything up there. She, but Dolly and, and Barbara, by extension, is a force of nature in this. And I, I really enjoyed it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, she's, she's great. I love, she said, um, oh, I think I, Oh, I didn't actually write it down. I thought I did. Oh, yes, I did. Mr. Kemper, everything concerns Dolly Levi. <laughs> like, she says that. Like, she, God, she just exudes confidence. Mm. I think that's what I like about her the most. Yeah, there was, there was a more modern take on this. Certainly more modern sensibilities, if not set in a more modern time, with that character that we all just end up loving. Yeah. But you would need a very strong actor to play her. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure who that is. I would have to mm. give that some thought. Mm. If uh, yeah, tell us uh, again if you're telling us about Dolly Parton, Barbara Streisand, Bette Midler, Glenn Close. Um, <laughs> tell us who you think should play a modern Dolly in the Hello Dolly 2019 edition. Mm, I'm not sure because you know Amy Poehler, but I'm not sure she's got the singing thing going on. Does it have to be a musical? No, if Could we do yeah. a non-musical adaptation. If we can cut out the parade and the dining sequence and the walking sequence, they sing a long song about walking. <laughs> <laughs> they do, but it was pretty. That one I actually liked. If they're singing and dancing at the same time, I don't mind it. It's okay. when they're dancing with no singing. Okay. Like, on a stage, that's okay. And it, I understand exactly. why they do that yeah. on a stage. Mm. But when you translate that to a movie, it's just too much. Mm. Oh, Portia de Rossi. She'd be good. She's a force of nature on screen. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'm seriously, I'm going to have to give that some thought. Like, my brain is exploding right now because it's just too many possibilities. Okay. Oh, there was something else I was going to say, and it was f- either really funny or really important, and it's gone. <laughs> one or the other. Yeah, it was one or the other, but it's gone. Okay. Well... Is there anything else that we need to discuss about Hello, Dolly? Um, have you seen Wally? I have. Okay. I had forgotten that this uh, scenes from Hello, Dolly were shown in Wally, and I feel certain that when I watched Wally, I didn't know what movie they were showing. Yeah. I was just like, oh, it's an old movie. Mm. I did actually read that in 2008, um, video sales of Hello, Dolly increased ah, like, significantly, right. and they posit that it's because of Wally. Well, yes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Nice. Okay. I have no right. further questions, I'm afraid. <laughs> All right. Well, if you would like to join the conversation, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing. And you can send an email to podcast at eloquentgushing.com if you have a great idea for who should play Dolly Levi in a modern day adaptation. And you can also leave us a voice message at speakpipe.com slash eloquentgushing or just email us an audio file. You know, we would love to hear your voice and to play your voice on our show.
We are completely funded by our lovely listeners like you through Patreon. Anything you can give gives access to exclusive content, bonus shows, games that we play, Discord servers, merch, stickers, magnets, all sorts of exciting things, and helps to support the network. If you want to find out more, go to patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And we will be back next week where we are going to talk about the BBC's Pride and Prejudice with Laura Stewart-Berry. So until next time, I'm Mandy Kay. And you're looking swell, Dolly. Indeed she was. Due to a clause in the film cell... Wow, I can't talk. Due to a clause in the film cell... Sale... Due to a clause in the contract that stipulated that the film could not be released until either...